If you're going to the NCAA tournament next week in Detroit, Michigan, make sure you stop by our happy hour. It's taking place Thursday, March 17th, in between Session 1 and Session 2 at Hockey Town Cafe. It's a sports bar within walking distance to Little Caesars Arena. We're hosting it with stalemates. We'll have an open tab. We'll have some merch. We'll have a lot of good laughs, good fun. Next Thursday, be there or be square. Now let's get to the episode with Olympic champion David Taylor. I was just on a different level at that tournament, the whole thing. You know, in preparation, when I got there, I was just – I had checked every box in preparation. So there was no doubt in my mind. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. We have the great David Taylor, the magic man, in the building for this interview. We talk about the Big Tens. We talk about David's incredible run to the Olympic gold medal this past summer. We also talk about David's wrestling academy and some of the philosophies he's using with his kids. Love this conversation. Anytime David Taylor comes on the podcast, it's an all-time episode, and this one is no exception. Fan of the week goes to our friend Stephen Foster, who reached out over email to let us know how much he enjoys this show. Stephen, thank you so much for listening, and thank you to everyone who's listening. Your support over the years has allowed this podcast to grow beyond our wildest dreams, and I'm just so grateful that everyone is, uh, is enjoying the show, and a special thanks to Stephen. This episode is brought to you by Spartan Combat. The Spartan Combat Nationals are coming to Jacksonville, Florida, April 8th through the 10th. It's the only tournament I know of where you can wrestle beach, freestyle, and Greco, and a dual tournament all in one weekend. So if you're looking for a lot of matches, a lot of different looks, a lot of different feels, check out the Spartan Nationals taking place this April 8th through the 10th in Jacksonville, Florida. Register now at SpartanCombat.com. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for the great David Taylor. David Taylor, welcome back to the podcast, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We just witnessed an awesome weekend of wrestling. I don't know how tuned into it you are, but what were your thoughts on the Big Tens watching from afar? Big Tens is a tough tournament. I mean, I remember just, you know, as a competitor wrestling in it, but now just, you know, watching and observing from afar, it's, it's a hard tournament to win individually. You know, it's a hard tournament to win as a team. Um, and it's just, it's, it's grueling. And I think as, you know, kids are getting better and better, um, you know, the season's getting tougher and the tournament's getting tougher. I mean, it's just the kids. I mean, just for, for perspective, when I was in school, um, you know, Quentin Wright was, uh, he was in eighth or ninth seed in the big 10 and went on to win the national tournament. Won the big <laughs> You know, he's a three-time NCAA finalist. He's had a kind of a rough season that year, you know, and you see that kind of stuff all the time. So it's just, uh, it's fun to watch that, that level of wrestling. And, you know, I just think sometimes as fans, you just take it for granted. You're like, oh, well, this guy's going to win or, you know, whatever it may be, but it's, it's a, you know, you got to battle, you know, every single match and, you know, you got to battle through, you know, some adversity. And you know, a lot of times, times this, this point of the season, you know, not everything's going going great so you gotta find a way to kind of suck it up and you got your bids on the line so it's uh there's a lot of things that go into it and that's coming off the heels of a grueling january and february big 10 dual schedule 
definitely. You know, I just, <clears throat> it, the Big Ten is, uh, it can be, you know, unforgiving, you know, and I think you just, you just, but I feel like if you can get through that time period, you know, and you, then you see the light in the tunnel at the Big Ten tournament, you see the national tournament now, but I really believe though, the, at this point, like the cream rises to the top, you know, the people that really truly are competitors and, and love to compete, you know, I think you see the best from them, you know, in these two weekends. And I think, you know, conferences across the board, but just the depth, you know, when you're talking about just seeding, you know, guys the whole way down to the brackets, half an NCAA tournament, you know, like some of these, some of these weight classes are fielding half the NCAA bracket are basically coming from the big tens, you know? So it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough conference and, you know, these guys are, are really good competitors. Yeah. I mean, and, and the match that sticks out to me to a lot of people is one of your teammates, Aaron Brooks versus Amin. And, uh, you know, you've wrestled Amin at the Olympics, so you know what he can bring to the table. What were your thoughts as you watched that one unfold? Yeah. I mean, that, that match had a lot going on, you know, individually, you know, it had a lot, a lot, you know, on the line just for those guys. And then for, you know, winning the big 10 championship seating for the NCAA tournament, um, that weight class is tough too. You know, you have the, the UNI kid who's tough. Um, you know, you have Hydley, you have Brooks, you have Amin. I mean, all four of those guys and, and there's other tough guys in there, but that's definitely that, you know, from that perspective. So, and the team title was essentially online in that match, you know? So I think it was, uh, it was tough. I mean, you got two, two really good competitors. I mean, their last match was razor thin. This match was razor thin. So I think that's where you, one thing that's hard about the big 10 is when you have someone good, that's, and you have to wrestle them multiple times throughout the year, you know, it's hard to beat the same person. That's good. You know, three mm -hmm. times. So I think it's just setting it up for, you know, obviously another really good match in the NCAA tournament. Um, it's just, uh, it's now just making some adjustments, you know, I'm sure both, both athletes and coaching staffs will make some adjustments, you know, into the next one, but you know, I mean, did a good job, um, you know, find a way to win that match. I mean, you could just imagine what kind of deep waters he was in there because it looked like Brooks was really setting the pace and wasn't going to let it, you know, slip out of his hands. And then for a second there, it looked like Amin might even write him out. And then he gets out and it's kind of like this crazy flurry of action within like the last 30 seconds. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a lot, <clears throat> there's a lot going on there. You know, I, cl clearly I have my bias, you know, in that match, you know, so I think, you know, I think Aaron is, um, you know, we turned national champ, you know, and I think he's, he's really good. So, and, and I think, you know, obviously there's just a lot, a lot going on in that match. You know, you have the wrestling match, but I said, you have a lot of stuff going on outside of that too. So yeah, um, for both, both competitors, you know, I remember just talking to my wife, I'm like, man, this match has got a lot more going on than just this individual match, you know, and then the dual meet, same thing. So it's just, uh, they're both their matches have been, have been tight and, uh, you know, means had a lot of, you know, a lot of experience. You know, he's been around for like ten years or something. No, <laughs> no, I'm just no, but I think he, you know, he's had, he's wrestled so many big matches over his career. So it's, uh, you know, I think that that experience obviously plays a little bit of a factor, and you know, um, I'm looking forward to these guys wrestling again for sure. Yeah, I wonder if uh, Trent Headley will get the one seed, putting Amin and Brooks at the two three. It'd be interesting to see. It will be interesting to see. Um, and I think people forget about the, the UNI kick. Uh, I don't Pick know. Kaisen. Exactly. Kaisen, he's tough. Yeah. He's really tough. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I just, I don't really know how the seating works. I think sometimes we lose track of just like what makes sense. You know, um, you know Aaron has beaten all those guys. Um, I think he might be the UNI's only losses of his career. I think maybe only be to Aaron. So um, I think Aaron deserves to be the number one seed, you know, but obviously just head to head and recent matches, you know, obviously play, play a factor into that, but we'll see what happens. You, you never know. Like the NCAA, when it comes out, like you'd be like, you feel like you have an idea what's going on. And then the seeds come out and you're like, how the heck does that happen? You Dude, know? It's so crazy. Yeah. I, um, I feel the same an, way. You can and, make when an you, argument. and when you look at the, uh, and when you look at that weight, like you said, Brooks going into that match against Amin, one loss ever and on track to be one of the best college wrestlers of our decade, maybe all time. I mean, just just dominant, really never even in close matches except for the Amin match. Um, 
but man, I just, yeah, Trent, Trent Heidley is a beast and that kid has no fear and he'll go right after anyone, you know? So there's a couple of guys where, you know, it's not often when someone steps on the mat with Aaron Brooks that they actually think they can win. And there's a few guys that probably actually believe that, you know, going into that bracket, which makes it all the more exciting. Yeah. I mean, like I, those guys are good. They're, they're really good. So there's not a lot, you know, that's, that separates them. And, and I think we just, we just take that for granted sometimes, you know, cause we see success and we just assume that it just happens all the time. Um, but these, you know, there are still, there's still so many factors, still kids, you know, there's still like, you know, a lot of things going on, you know, you're still a collegiate athlete. You're not a professional at that point. You know, you're still trying to figure things out, you know, your warm up or whatever maybe that goes into it. So, and it's just hard. It's, it's really hard to win in a row. You know, it's not an easy thing. We've seen so much over the last 10 years. It's amazing. We've seen so much success collegiately with these, like, you know, these generational talents and they're only getting better. You know, they're only getting better. These kids are only getting better. So, you know, it's just when people do that, I think it's something you just got to, like, wow, okay, this is pretty special, you know, and I think it's, um, but you got to pull in line. And every time you pull in line, it's, you know, obviously it's, uh, it's never easier to win, never easier, you know, it's just, it definitely continues to get more difficult. Um, and again, I think with the big tens, like, you know, you have a tough tournament, but you also know you have the NCAA tournament right after that. So, you know, I think, the big tens are important, but they're not as important as the NCAAs, you know, ultimately most kids talk about that, you know, and it's interesting because when they say those things, you know, in their interviews, it's what they're thinking, you know, and I think everyone's program, like, Hey, this NCAA tournament's kind of all that matters. And that's not necessarily true. I think every competition matters, but it's hard to be on that many times in a row. So it's, uh, yeah, I think we're pretty lucky, you know, we're gonna see a lot of really good matches and, um, you know, I just think we're gonna see a lot of really good ones, you know, obviously in Detroit too. Yeah, and this this year is so crazy because we have all the COVID guys who are still you know still around. So it's a really interesting mix of of old guys and young guys. And I mean, you think back to when you were there, your your redshirt freshman year, like how much you've grown then to now is crazy. And thinking that we're treating these guys like you said, we tr we talk about Aaron Brooks like he's a pro athlete, but he's a young kid, you know. And so it's you know wrestlers wrestling fans don't really have the pros to talk about. So a lot of times we'll put those same kind of opinions on college kids. But I mean, how much have you changed from your senior year of high school or college or junior year of college to now even? It's a big change. I mean, but, but I think going back to what you're saying is the reality though, is, I mean, the, these guys that are in college right now. They are as good as some of the best guys in the world, you know? So I just think, you know, it's, it's been a big, big shift. Like I think when I was in school, there was this, this movement of, okay, well, you don't have to be a junior or senior to be a national champ. You can win early. You can dominate early, you know? And I think we saw that now it's a different shift. Now it's like these kids, not only it's like, can I win? Yeah. Can I dominate? Sure. But also it's like the next level. These kids are now competing in the senior trials, making teams, winning medals, winning gold medals, mm -hmm. you know? So the, the perspective has shifted. So, you know, it's like, it, it's not really categorized as all right, this and this. these kids are winning you know cadet and junior world championships you know make, making you know obviously really competitive at the senior level across the board right all, all of college wrestling so i think it's uh it's 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 just very competitive and when you talk about changing you know i think for for some you know i think but i feel like where the biggest change is just from a just a physical maturity level you know you look at you know look at a guy me like the hamidi kid from wisconsin right he's just he's fearless when he's out there, he's scrapping really hard, but he is not physically mature at all. You know, from a physical standpoint, it's kind of how I was when I was in school. Like I was scrapping, but I physically wasn't a very mature person until later in my career. But then you have some guys that are very physically mature early on. So I think, um, so I think that's something you have the, the combination. And now with, you have these guys that are in longer than their, you know, traditional, you know, collegiate, you know, time period. So you got a lot of mixtures in there, but I think, you're asking me about what's changed the most. I would say, you know, the, these tournaments are all practice, you know, ultimately for, you know, well, I don't know, whatever your biggest event is, right? Practice for the NCAAs, practice the World Championships, Olympic Olympic Games, you know, so you're, 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 you're learning how to maneuver difficult situations, you know, and then you're learning from those things. But also I would say just this, for me specifically was physical maturity, you know, I think.
you know, I still wasn't physical mature at all when I graduated college. You know, it didn't really happen to me till I was later, but I was just, I, I matured late. I was just kind of for me. So I would say that was probably the biggest. And then I always had the technique. And obviously when that, when that other side caught up to me, that was what kind of helped me kind of jump to a new level. Yeah, Dean Hamidi, the baby face killer, man. He is uh, he is incredible. To see him and Marinelli in the same match, it's like, what are we talking about here? You know, that's polar opposites of, of physical maturity. Yeah. No, he's he's fun to watch. He, he's fun to watch. Like, you can tell, you know, I, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, as he continues to, you know, develop, you know, other scoring. Um, But, yeah, he's he goes after it. It's fun to watch, refreshing. You know, it really is because we just – we went through an era where guys were pretty fearless, scored a lot of points. And I feel like it's slowed down again. And people are like, whether the you know the talent pool is like, you know, there's not a lot of separation, which I think is true, but it's, I think there's a little more a guy, these kids are, you know, I think putting a little more emphasis on winning, you know, we're kind of seeing that like dominant mentality, you know? So I think, but I think there's a new wave coming up through some younger kids that are, uh, feel that way, think that way, you know, and he's kind of like that. So it's just, it's, it's just, for me, I really enjoy seeing people that wrestle that way because it's uh, you got to take risks, score a lot of points. You know, you can't be perfect all the time. You can't just think, OK, I'm going to take one shot because you only take one shot. You can only score one takedown, you know, you know, mm-hmm. so you're going to have to throw yourself in there. Maybe you get reversed. Maybe you get taken down, opens the match up. So it's been uh, it's fun to watch him wrestle. You know, I just I think those that style is what can really like. You know, I think it's just what can really help the sport move forward is people wrestle fearless and score a lot of points, you know, so that's cool. Yeah, I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about Zane throwing up a lot of points and like that era was so much fun to watch. Do you think the reason it may have slowed down is it that we have a problem with the mat wrestling rules and everyone's talking about this and I just want to get your thoughts on it. Do you think there's less turns, less breakdowns across the board in college wrestling now? And I don't understand that because... The, you're so incentivized four point near fall is like, I mean, you're, it's a guaranteed major, right? Take down that you're up six points. Um, so I don't really understand, but yeah, there's an element of risk. Like you want to turn somebody, you gotta, you gotta try and turn them, you know? And I think we see these conversations all the time about, you know, getting rid of, getting rid of riding time, which I've, I've actually been a proponent of this for a while. I've talked about this before. I think you should only get your point if you turn somebody. I think it should be a turning point. So sure, you can ride them for five minutes, but you get your point if you turn them. You know, so yeah, you can ride them forever if you want to. Um, but I think we incentivize turning more. You know, I think that would be that would be important. It should be four point year fall is like, man, that's that's crazy. I mean, I think it's it was a good change. I just don't think people really understand like how much of a game changer that is. But you know, you're just your traditional like you're, you're not. I mean, it's gonna be hard. I mean, if you're a real, if you guys armbar on you, like you shouldn't go to your back, you know, like, but if you're getting, you know, a tilt, you're getting rolled up, you know, in other ways, like, I think, you know, there's a lot of ways to score points. And I think, you know, kids have to be willing to take a little bit of risk there. Um, I think if you had a turning point, I think you'd have to, it would change kids mentality a little bit, but it's under the current, current rule set, you know? So I just think that's kind of how, uh, how it is, but there's, there's an element of dominance on top for sure. Um, you know, if you can ride someone for a long time, that's definitely a dominating thing, but I'd like to see kids try to turn more, you know, I think that would, uh, that would be good. It just seems like outside of the great Spencer Lee, who really, you know, lays it wide open on top and, you know, puts matches away early, like you were talking about, um, this, you know, the whole notion of when the guy stands up dropping down at the single and the four count, was that around when you were in college or is that a new rule? The, no, it wasn't. So I mean, we just had like the traditional stalling or whatever, but they added that rule after I was done. And I just think it's hard. The more that you put specific rules in place for specific things, it makes it complicated. You just got, we need to simplify it. You know, um, again, I, I really, I, I, I think we'd be better with just no stalling calls. Cause if you're going to, if you want to stall, you're going to stall, right? It is what it is. If you feel like you have to stall to win, you're going to do it. And you're going to find a way to get creative. You're going to, if you got five seconds, you're going to hold for four seconds and you do something else. Right. It's just like how, how it's going to be. And I think there's, I mean, there's, there's an element of like strategic wrestling. So I'm not saying everyone that does that is stalling, right? That's not what I'm, that's not my, my point here, but I'm just saying like, 
you're going to do what you're allowed to do. So if you know you're allowed five seconds, what are you going to do for four? And then you're going to, you know, you're going to climb up. I just think, and I think getting rid of it, um, I, I feel like I, I think that the push out on your in neutral is a, it should be a no brainer because that stall call on the edge is, it just never, it's not consistent in any way. So a push it's I mean, confusing, free, even for me, it's it, confusing to watch. I don't know what they're calling. It's really hard. In freestyle, we first put the, the push out rule, you know, people were consumed like it's like a sumo match. And in the beginning it was, but it was also in that weird rules when we had the three periods, you know, now it's like, if you watch a freestyle match, we're, we have the best rule set I think we've ever had. I mean, there's a lot of scoring that happens, a lot of excitement. Kids, you know, it's like, so I feel like at first, you know, maybe the push out rule might be kind of weird, but people will adjust to it. And most of these guys are already wrestling freestyle anyways, so they're accustomed to it. Now you've, 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 you've had an element where like, you now have to wrestle three feet from the edge or you're getting pushed out and give up a point, you know? Um, I think that would change open matches up. And the, the more scoring that happens, the less you're going to see stalling um, on top or bottom or on your feet because someone has to score more. We're under right now where there's not a lot of like, a lot of times those bigger matches, you know, you, there's not a lot of uh, guys are so like tactical that when the scoring doesn't really happen, well, then it just delays it, you know? So I think we had a turning point on top. It will be really good. You know, obviously when you're on top, taking some out of bounds, that's not a push out rule there. Um, I think just get rid of stalling. And, you know, I think you just, uh, and you have the push out rule. And I think you're going to have your times that you're going to have matches that, you know, one person's going to be running around or whatever that may be. But um, I, I just think it, it just seems easier to understand because, you know, stalling like you could do everything to earn a call and never get it you could do very little and get one so it already has a lot of impact on matches or lack of impact so i don't know that it really changes a ton if you got rid of it but it's uh those are tricky things you know i think those are those are kind of tricky tricky situations in any of the you know mainstream sports if we're talking about how do we make wrestling more appealing you know, mainstream sports are super easy to follow and understand. And, uh, you know, basketball, anyone can follow it. Football, anyone can follow it. Wrestling is very tough to follow. Um, so you've mentioned a couple rule changes that would simplify it. And I like both of those. Let me ask you about this one that I've talked about before with Adam Terrapelli. A lot of people think it's going too far, but um, what do you, how do you feel about moving folk style to like top and bottom 30 seconds max uh, if you can't turn in 30 seconds, you go back to your feet. If you can't get out in 30 seconds, you don't get the escape point. And they just stay in a backup. Is that too big of a shift for folk stylers? I can, I can definitely see that argument, you know, but then you're just, you're making, you're making the decision then that's your base. You're just, you're, you're, you're making folk style like a, uh, a development league for freestyle, right? You're kind of da- adopting a similar, thing and i think there's i think folk style wrestling is awesome um you know obviously you know we have so many kids experience to it at a, at a young age um i think that mat wrestling is so important like I, for people that say you know you should be able to let them up whatever you know i i don't know about that i think mat wrestling to be able to get off the bottom to be able to reverse somebody those are important skills to have you know to be able to ride somebody and turn somebody and create a scramble on top those are important skills to have. And by doing that, you're like taking so many scoring opportunities. You're saying, we don't need, we don't need to teach them anymore. We don't need to learn them. We don't need to understand those positions. We just need to, you know, it's like straightforward, get a takedown, get on top, go back on your feet, get a takedown, go on top. Even freestyle is not like that. I mean, freestyle, there's a lot of scoring that happens, you know, and a lot of other unique situations. So, but I think at a young age, I think we're going to miss out on a lot of development. And I think folk style, we have a huge advantage internationally because of our folk style background, because we can wrestle in so many unique situations that you don't get to, if it's just take down, get on top, let's say for 30 seconds, get back on your feet. We're going to miss a lot of development. So, you know, I think it's just, uh, although a lot of people aren't doing those things, but a lot of them know how to do it. So maybe it's a way that we can, you know, I don't know. I don't know if there's a way that you can encourage more, you know, wrestling specific situational things. I would rather you say, okay, after 30 seconds, if nobody scored, we're going to like a, a scramble situation, you know, where both guys are going to start with a high crunch or something to that effect. Now I'm just off the top of my head. Now you're creating scrambles, right? And I think that's more what you want to see. And that, again, 
to make specific rules for specific situations, I think is tough because it never works out the way that you think it's going to work out. But I would really, I would really be advised against eliminating mat wrestling because I think it's really important for development um, for kids. And when you were coming up, you came up in the Ohio Jeff Jordan system, but after you moved and now you're teaching kids in Pennsylvania, you have your own academy. When you were coming up with uh, Coach Jordan, was turning a big focus or was that mainly a neutral camp and you learned turning somewhere else? Yeah, there was very little emphasis put on mat wrestling. I think if you look at the people that have come out of that program, not a lot of mat wrestling. You know, um, it was very fundamental. Like, you know, essentially the, the system was built on being good shape, cut weight, um, be good in your high crotches, your single legs, your front headlocks, really good in those good positions. But mat wrestling was, I still think has been a, it's been a crutch for a lot of people who have come out of the program for as many great wrestlers that you know, have had, had success in high school. Um, you have to be good on the mat to dominate college, you know, and I was something that um, I was always pretty good on the mat as a kid. I was definitely, my, my feet were, I was actually probably my, my worst situation you know, in high school, you know, when I wrestled my big matches, it was like, I just have to get on top. I have to get on the mat. I can reverse somebody. I can get on top. I can ride them and turn them. But where I struggled the most were guys that were good on their feet, you know, which is ironic because we spent so much time on our feet in that program. I mean, I was good. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'm talking about highest level matches that I was wrestling in, you know, my mentality is like, I just gotta get on the mat. And in college it was, it was, I got a lot better on my feet, but it was still, I want to win these matches, you know, the best matches I want to get on the mat. Um, and things have changed a little bit now. You know, I, you know, obviously I think I'm very proficient in a lot of areas on my feet, but it's, uh, I think mat wrestling again is, is really important. And in Pennsylvania, for example, so Ohio versus Pennsylvania, um, Ohio is very little emphasis put on the mat in general, right? Just the way that it, the rule set is, if it's a close match, the guy on top will get hit for stalling every time. So kids are like, not really, it's just not that important, right? You're not really incentivized to, to ride somebody and stuff, you know? And I think that's kind of like an underlaying Ohio, you know, however that rule sets are kind of looked at. We're in Pennsylvania, like when we're teaching our kids in Pennsylvania, I mean, it's like, it's a different beast. I mean, when you're talking about these young kids and they're in a two, one, one period, I mean, mat wrestling is, Pretty much, I mean, you can get off the bottom and you can ride somebody. I mean, you're going to be really hard to beat, you know? So I think Pennsylvania has traditionally produced a lot more mat wrestlers because that's the way that it's developed all the way through from the youngest time you go to PJW to the high school state tournament, you know, mat wrestling is, uh, is a huge piece of that success. Whereas in Ohio, it's, it's like, it's almost like, Hey, you, if you're on top, we're going to hit your stalling. So then they kind of cut them and then it's mostly on your feet. But again, I think, you know, you just college wrestling, we talked about how important mat wrestling is. So if you're not working on that, uh, it's going to be tough. And there's individuals obviously that are good in different areas, but traditionally that was my experience growing up with Ohio and then now spending a lot of time in the development in Pennsylvania. That's a huge difference. Huge. Difference. Yeah. I've heard you say that before way back on, I think it was uh, T. Row and Funky. When you your dad would take you to the is the Nittany Lion Open a big kids tournament or the I'm trying to think of what it was called. But you said like you would go to it and just couldn't believe how different the call the officiating was with the, with the mat wrestling. And I got to think that you know I'm in Chicago, Illinois is a huge takedown cut state, and um, it's it's a problem because you look at the guys who come out and how long it takes them to 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 adapt to that. It's hard, you know. I just I'm. I was good on the mat, so I'm always going to be a proponent for mat wrestling. And I think it's a huge difference maker. So, you know, I would go into a match. It was like, okay, well, I might have to work really hard for this first takedown. But once I get it, and that was how people, that was how people wrestled me. Like, they would fight me really hard. But once I got that first takedown in college, then I got a turn. Then it was like, okay, now they kind of relax and I could take them, cut them down, you know, take, cut them, take them down, take them on their back. And now you can start opening them up. And it might take three or four or five minutes to do that. But I always wrestled that way from a young kid all the way through. But I just think that Matt wrestling, if you truly want to dominate somebody, you need to be going to that because you're wrestling the best guys in the country. You just, it's going to be hard to take them down consistently multiple times, two, three, four, five times, you know, but one turn that's worth three takedowns, you know, by the time, you, you know, so I just think it's a, uh, it doesn't take much effort. It takes like three seconds 
three, swi- three swipes, you know, and you're getting two points, four swipes, you're getting four points. So I think instead of, you know, I think the problem is not collegiate wrestling. It's the development up to collegiate wrestling. It's, I think it's the youth level. It's the elementary level. It's you know, junior high and high school developing more college, not college, developing more mat wrestling savvy on the mat, I think will help that, you know, where we say problem in college right now. Um, and I think, we, you know, I just think it, your officiating affects that. Because if you're a coach and you're like, man, if my guy's on top, I know he's going to hit for stalling. We're not going to spend a lot of time here. You know, if I can go bottom and know that the guy's going to cut me, I don't really have to spend a lot of time getting off the mat. In Pennsylvania, you go bottom, you better have a plan to get off the mat or you're going to get ridden, you know, and same, you know. So I think it's uh, – I think that's an important thing. And, you know, I'll always be a proponent for mat wrestling. I think it's really important. And you just got back. I'm guessing you got back from the PJWs, which is the Pennsylvania uh, Junior State Tournament, Middle School State Tournament. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Bo Bassett, so I always follow what he's doing, and I saw he was out there. What's your take on just youth wrestling in America now that we've wrapped up yet another folk-style youth season? Well, it's, it's not uh, – I mean, it's, it's definitely not wrapped up. Pennsylvania, there's actually four consecutive state tournaments. So you have your junior high state tournament last weekend. We are getting ready to start our high school state tournament tomorrow. Then we have two separate, we have the PJWs, like your traditional youth state tournament, and then we have a Keystone. So what happened was, um, you know, PJWs was it forever, but during the, the COVID time, PJWs shut down. So another organization started one, Keystone, and they did a good job, you know, and then now they're both running simultaneously. So kids have either chose one or the other, or they're doing both. So it's, uh, it's a busy month this month. So, you know, every, all four weekends we have state tournaments, you know, and it's, uh, it's tough, you know, so we're training kids, you know, for each group, you know, for a week, you know, but like what they're doing that week's not necessarily for everybody. So it's been, uh, but it's been good, you know, it, it's, but it's just, it's a hard, it's hard to win a state t- championship in Pennsylvania at any, at any age group, because, you know, just you, you have this, this talent pool of wrestlers that is very deep. Um, you have, you know, a mixture of, you know, many factors, um, and this just they're very they're they're good very skilled you know so um last weekend actually so we had uh pjw's going on in johnstown which is like an hour and 15 minutes then we also had the high school regionals last weekend so um we had uh two of our coaches were pjw's i went to one of the regional tournaments um watched the big tens in the morning went to one of the regional tournaments then the coaches came and we finished up the regional uh, together. We came back, watched the last of the big tens. The next day, Mark and I went back to the PJWs for the finals, you know, and they came back and then started this week, you know, obviously, and then, and still integrating my training along with that. So it's, that's going to be us for the next like four weekends, basically. So it's, uh, it's pretty fun to have those things spread out. But so I would say like, when, when talking about these rules, like, you know, I'm involved at every level, you know, I'm as a senior level athlete, you know, wrestling, what I'm doing, you know, being around the collegiate program, and then they're having a direct relationship with high school, junior high, elementary, and the development all the way through, you know? And I think you got to see and evaluate those things and then continue to make adjustments. You know, like, it's not just like a one-size-fits-all, hey, this is what's good for every single person. But, I mean, I really think, like, Matt wrestling development, go back to our kind of our big thing here, is Matt wrestling development at a young age is going to make it better. And I want to have less of these, like, conversations about changing rules if there's more emphasis on mat wrestling at a young age and it's going to help your kid be way more successful if they're going the mat too, you know, at, during that period of time. So I think that's a kind of an important aspect to think about. And for folks who don't know, you run, uh, it's called M2 training center, magic man training center. You have a, an awesome standalone facility. Could you just talk a little bit about that program and how it's grown over the years? Yeah, it's, it's very exciting. Um, so we I started, this in uh 2000 was the fall of september of 2017 i think um and uh we moved to our own facility in summer 2018 right before i wrestled the world championships and uh it's it's very it's a very rewarding thing you know you you get to like spend time with these kids and we have a really good coaching staff so my situation is unique because I'm still a competitor. Most people that start clubs are usually dads. You know, they have, Hey, I want my son to have a really good situation. I'm going to start this, you know, and then when their son kind of gets to the end of it, it kind of fizzles out, you know? Um, Or it's just like, 
again, you just start it and you get it going. And then once you get it going, you developed, you know, I think those were the, you know, the really successful clubs have happened, you know, being, a, being still as a competitor, you know, balancing, competing with, you know, developing and coaching kids was something that I was really passionate about. And it was always like, um, do I want to wait and do this when I'm done competing? But that could be 10 years. So I just want to start now. And I knew that was really important to have a really good coaching staff and to build up our coaches a lot, you know, during that period of time, because a lot of times is when, if, if say like, if I wasn't there, people want to be there, you know, and that's just like, that would, that would have hurt the development in the beginning. So in the beginning, we were all there together all the time. And it was, it was double duty. You know, I, I, you know, I was just married. I didn't have kids at the time. So it was, it was easy to finish practice and go right to grow right to the next practice. Um, easier. Um, we were all there, you know, and just like helped, you know, at the time was Mark McKnight, Eric Thompson and myself. And, uh, you know, we started, we had like a very small youth program, but most of our kids were um, like junior high and high school. So the kids that are graduating right now start with us in seventh grade. So that's like our very first kind of group of kids. Now these kids in high school, the kids that are freshmen right now, we started with them when they were like third or fourth grade, you know? So it's like, this is kind of, we're getting to that first generation of kids that we've spent a good amount of time with. And, and it's just a balance, you know, like try and be involved in every aspect that I possibly can, even when I'm not there, I'm following the events. I'm trying to communicate with the parents. Um, and so, we developed. Right, sorry. So are you going to youth tournaments all winter as well? Like all the all day affairs, or is that something you've been able to offload a little bit? Cause that's taxing. Yeah, it is. So we don't, we try, I mean, there's so many youth tournaments, so you can't really choose all of them, but you know, like I personally try and make um, a handful of them a year, you know, the ones that I can make. Um, it's hard, you know, from a club standpoint to go to all the coach, all the things because you have, you know, as a club, we're supplementing, uh, you know, other programs, right. Other youth programs, junior high, high school. So a lot of times it's just being there and support. You know, like last weekend, for example, like we went to the regional tournament that they're, they're with their high school coaches, but we just want to be there to support them. You know, we spend 12 months a year with these kids, but during the high school season, I mean, their high school coaches are their coaches and we're just trying to help supplement that and help just be supportive, you know, and just be there. So we're just kind of in the background and it's just, it's cool to see, see these kids continue to develop. But so now it's, it, you know, Eric went on, he's a coach, at Arizona state. So now it's, it's myself. Mark McKnight and Brad Pataki. So all three of us wrestled at Penn state and um, we have a, a very good balance, you know, in terms of we all, we're, we have a same of what we want to teach, but we can deliver it in different ways, you know? And I think it's really good for the kids because refreshing, you know, it's not like there's like hearing me say something from all the time or Mark or, you know, or Brad. So the rotation is, I think really solid, you know, and I think the kids respond very well to that. And uh, it's exciting right now because, like I said, this era that we this is the era that we spent, you know, 12 months a year for five years with. And they're getting ready to go to school, some of the high school, the seniors, but then that next wave coming up through the kids that we started with, like our, they were probably eight the very first day they ever started practice. They'll be our first like start to finish kids. Those kids are now in seventh grade. So it's just like, it's been pretty fun to, uh, we're kind of really starting, I think, breakthrough and change. And uh, it's a good month this week of state tournaments. And then we switch right into freestyle, you know? So it's, uh, it's, I try and take, you know, my approach that I've had as a competitor um, and use those experiences at different levels and use that as a, as it's not what I did is definitely not what I think everybody should do. Um, so you're teaching like to the masses, but I think it's been trial and error. You know, what I thought when I very first started is definitely way different than what I think now. Um, and I just think trying to continue to learn and uh, relate to the kids as much as I can. And, uh, but it's, again, it's a, it's a well-rounded approach, but just a lot of help with our other coaches and uh, very supportive parents, you know, cause it's unique. Like, I would love to be there all the time, but you know, I think I'm there two to three days a week. Um, and then when I can be there more, I can be there more. There's sometimes I'm there less based on when I'm training competing. Um, but we've been doing this for five years, making a lot of progress and it's working. Um, and 
I foresee we're at that point now where I really think we're going to make that big jump, you know, where kids are going to start going to college, you know, or getting those kids into high school. Um, and I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun over the next 10 years to really start seeing these kids break through and then start to wrestle in college. You know, I think we have a couple kids right now that are doing that and uh, just going to start more going to start coming. Kids are so rewarding, like you said, because like they wear their heart and their sleeve. They're they're all in it, and uh, you really get to see them develop on and off the mat. You know, throughout you know some of the craziest years of your life, middle school and high school. I'm just curious if you can remember. Was there anything you thought going into it in 2017, 2018 that you've thrown out the window and you realize that that approach is no good or this this technique is? Um, and if you can't think of anything, it's fine. I just I'm just curious what what changed. You know that you've been in it for a while. Well, I mean, I was out of it for a long time, you know, like I did my thing, you know, I was a kid coming up through, I graduated college, I was in, on the international scene. So I was pretty far moved, honestly, from just the temperature. And it was, it was so much more competitive than what I thought it was going to be. That was the biggest thing. Like, I remember being like, wow, these kids are pretty good. All right, we go to these tournaments and be like, wow, okay, there are some really good kids here, you know, because I just been away from it for a long time. And it's, it's amazing. Like when I was a kid, the club scene wasn't really there. It was kind of starting to develop as I was going through, but it wasn't prominent. Now there's, there's so many clubs all over the place, you know, kids that are specializing full-time year round, you know, you know, private training, small group, high level events, you know, the priority is on like the best kids now are prioritizing making world teams being world champions, you know, and that's a big shift, you know, like I was at the forefront, of that, but that priority wasn't there. It was on like the national tournaments. It was on Fargo. It was on super 32 was just starting, you know, now it's like, that's like a figurehead event that you have to prepare for specifically. So it took a couple years, I think, to understand like, okay, where are these big events? What do one, where, how do we cater our training, you know, to, to those things and, uh, and just trial and error. You know, I, we spent a lot of time years, like where you want to show so many things, but it's like, well, we need to really focus on these things to get to these things. And it took us a lot of time. Now it's just like, we're, we're at a spot now where we can now really start implementing specific things because we have such a good foundation built. And that took a long time, a long time to build that foundation. So, um, but it's just one of those things where it's like, it's consistency from the kids, you know, consistency from the coaching staff, um, and, and, but really the parents, like having, we have great parents, really good supportive parents, um, that are really good friends of mine, you know? Um, and, 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 and it happens to be that we're also coaches of their kids. So we have a really unique situation. It's not like the typical club situation that people will probably think, you know, like we, uh, it's a very family oriented place, um, very culture driven. Um, you know, our kids are like really good friends with each other and, they're wrestling with each other. I mean, this weekend we have, we have the same weight class where we have the one and two kid in the state in the same division. And then we, in both divisions, we have the number one kid in the state in both divisions that are training with each other all the time, Wow. you know, and they wrestle with each other all the time and they're buddies, you know, and obviously they, it's, it's hard and you're, you're going on competing and it's difficult. You know, you just got to sit back and watch, but you know, we were not there three or four years ago, you know? So it's, um, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's been cool, but you can't do those things without great kids and great parents. And we're fortunate to have both of those things. And then I can't say enough about Mark McKnight. He's like, he's just a very special human. Like he's just, he cares so much about the kids. Um, he's there for them all the time. He can relate to them. He can be hard on them. And uh, he's, he's like a huge pillar. And then obviously where we're at right now. So, you know, this would really would never have been possible without, without Mark, you know, so we make a really good team and, it's been, uh, it's been fun. So obviously by no means is like, Hey, but this just, we're, we just, we, we're, it's been a lot of the development years and now it's, uh, now we can really start moving forward and, um, it's going to be really, really fun. I think over the next 10, 15, 20 years, as we've had this group of kids that we spent a lot of time with. I think it's so smart that you did it while you're competing. Cause your brand is high is higher than ever. I mean, and like, the kids who are in your club now, they can actually watch you wrestle. Whereas I think back to one of the great academies of Illinois over time, Sean Bormet was the man, but we never knew that he wrestled Pat Smith in the finals. You know, we had no idea that he was 
this elite wrestler too. And maybe some of them did, but I don't think a lot of kids did. So you're doing that now. And then when you do retire, you have this foundation already built versus spending five years to build it up. Do you enjoy the business aspect of it, like payroll and finance, or do you offload all that stuff? In the beginning, I offloaded it, but now I do all that stuff. So I just always told the coaches that I was with, I'm like, hey, listen, my goal is that you guys coach, and you don't have to handle any of those things, you know? And, and originally I was kind of part of that. I just want to show up and coach type deal. But, you know, I think it's, it's you know, that, but that's part of the process. Like if you run a club as a hobby, it will fizzle out, you know? And you, it, it has to be ran as a business um, because it is, right? I mean, you're in the business of developing kids. And if you don't treat it as a, you know, I, I try and be professional in every aspect because the kids and the parents deserve that, you know, it's not like, you know, Hey, this is how it's, you know, whatever it may be. It's just, it's structured and, um, and it's better for everybody. So, it, but that stuff is not, it's not enjoyable to do those things, but it's, it's, it's necessary. And um, again, it's, it's just learning in all those, in all those departments. And it's cool because like, I can go in and talk to the kids and I'm, I've always, and when you relate to them, it's not like, I think this will work, or I think you should think this way. I can speak certainly because I'm, I've done it and I'm still doing it, you know? And I think they get, they, they get a lot of confidence from that because they know, like when I tell them, Hey, this is, this is what we need to focus on because of this and this and this. And then they go, what we're doing, they can go see me do it. And they win the gold medal final, you know? And then they can have a lot of confidence, but yeah, okay. That makes sense. That's definitely something that I see why we've been working on that for the last couple of months. And, uh, and they're also have a pretty high, high understanding of wrestling because of just like trying to explain those things to them. So it's not just like showing moves. So it's a, it's a special environment. So if, if you haven't been there before, I mean, I definitely suggest, you know, we have camps throughout the year and we have people that make pretty crazy significant sacrifices to get their kids there. And, it's uh, it's cool to see that, uh, you know, it, it pays it pays off for them. You know, just, it's very rewarding to see, I think, for the parents and the kids to see like the success, you know, that they're having because it's uh, it takes a big commitment. Yeah, huge commitment. And, you know, you mentioned the Olympics and we're definitely going to wrap on that for about 10 minutes before we let you go. But just before we sign off on this part. So I didn't know you had camps for non members throughout the summer. And we have you know, tons of parents listening to this where. They never wrestle. They just want the best for their kid. And so they're trying out all these camps. So how would someone find out about your camps and get involved? And when, and when are they? So, yeah, so we go, like our website's m2trainingcenter.com. And, you know, our camps are, it, they're a little challenging. I, basically, it's around my schedule. So it's like, okay, well, this is when I'm wrestling in the ranking series tournament. We're going to do the camp before that. And I typically do camps right after I compete. So I'll go compete and I come right home from competition. So right after the Olympic games and right after the world championships, we had a camp the next weekend because I know <laughs> what? I was like, David, what are you doing? I'm like, I, I want to, you know, I, I want to be here. You know, I haven't seen these guys in a couple of weeks, you know? And like, so, and I, it's all, it's funny because, you know, we have a very consistent group of kids that come to camps, you know, and, and our kids, but I'll say something to them. And I remember before the, the goal, I said, listen, I'm going to, when I come back here, I'm going to show you guys my Olympic gold medal, you know, and I came back in the next camp, you know, you had 20 or 30 of those kids that were there. And I said, listen, I told you when I came back, I was going to show you my Olympic gold medal, you know, and they were able to see it, get pictures of it and stuff. So um, it's good. But I, I was our next camp where I'm a freestyle camp, April 8th to the 10th. Um, and then we'll have a camp in June trying to still finalize that date. Once I figure out what final X is, um, we usually have one in July. July will be tough this year, just based on, um, the world championships being in September, being a little bit earlier. And then we, uh, we have a, a top camp in the fall and then we have a super 32 preparation camp in the fall as well. So usually have like four to five camps a year. Um, but the best thing is just like, I, I usually try and put them on my Instagram. I put them on our M2 training center, Instagram. And then just, if you email in, uh, info at M2 training center.com, you get on our email list and then you can send out the emails on the information. The camps do fill up pretty quick. And, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. It's, 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 it was, uh, a lot of people when I wanted to start the club, they really second guessed it. Um, they're like, I don't know if you can balance that and competing. I was, I hadn't won anything. Yet. I wasn't world champ when I started it, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't make a team yet, you know? And they're like, I don't, you haven't done it. I don't think you can balance these two things, you know? And it was the best thing that I ever did because it gave me the balance. I think I needed, it's a great outlet. I can go in there and, you know, and, and sharing 
you know, the information with the kids is like something I, I really love. And then to be able to see them develop. And uh, it's funny because like, I'll, it'll be on the, you know, most of the kids, on, most, of the, most of my teammates on the world team, the Olympic team, they know my kids because I'm always talking about them all the time. You know, so then <laughs> they'll follow him. They're like, oh yeah, he's doing really good. You know, and I, you know, so it's just like, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fun. So I would definitely, it's a unique, it's a unique situation, you know, very grateful for it. Especially when, you know, usually when an academy or a club like your own has a camp, it's, it's maybe exclusive just to those members. And sometimes a lot of few outsiders. in. so knowing that someone from Illinois or, or, you know, up, upstate Minnesota, I'm thinking of a family that always reaches out, they can come and, and be a part of that and be around some of your kids and, and learn from an Olympic champion. So awesome. And we'll post the links to all that in the show notes. But before we let you go, sir, Olympic games, I mean, my goodness, what a match against Yazdani that second the singlets ripped. Oh, my, it's just amazing. Tell us everything about it. I mean, was it? Uh, you know, was it what you thought? What was, what was your impressions on, on the games itself? It's, uh, it's a loaded question, you know, because it's something that I, I specifically had dreamt about, you know, for 22 years, you know, and when I was a kid, there weren't many kids running around saying like, Hey, I want to be an Olympic champion. You know, they're like, I want to write a, I want to be a, I want to get the go-kart because I won Tulsa nationals or something like that, you know? And I was just like, I always like want to win those things, but that was ultimately, that was always the ultimate goal. And so to make the team this year, you know, I felt like that was like, once I made the team, it was kind of a relief because now it's, now it's time, you know, there's a lot of stuff that gets built up, you know, because you, you know, with the, the delay meant, um, you know, I was injured before, you know, delay to form ACL. I was back, then it was delayed. So then I trained basically for two straight years with like no break, basically, um, which everybody did, you know, but, you know, make the team. And then now it was like, I was able to breathe. And then, you know, I had a really good training cycle leading up to the Olympics. And, you know, it was just, it was one of those things where it was just, all right, it was, I was in wrestle. Yeah, I was down in the finals. You know, I just knew that. I knew that was one of the, I, I was actually drawn in the bracket. So I could have wrestled them early in the bracket, but, you know, it was just, that was, uh, that, that's been the match internationally, you know, for me. And, um, you know, he's had two and a half years to prepare for that match pretty much, you know? So I knew he'd make some changes, but I was just on a different level at that tournament. Um, the whole thing, you know, in preparation, um, when I got there, I was just, I had checked every box in preparation. So there was no doubt in my mind you know, that what was going to happen, the outcome was, was a done deal prior to getting there. So I loved every aspect of the warm up, the walking out in the tunnel. Like we had a contingent of like 50, you know, Americans in all three styles, medical staff, personnel. So when you run out there, like they're there watching us, you know, and you get a little like shot of adrenaline. And then I went on the mat and it was just, it was just the best. It was that it was like the highest event of my life, and it was the best wrestling I had ever done. You know, so it was, uh, and it took every every ounce of that in finals. You know, every ounce of that. You know, Yazdani is, I mean, he's a he's gonna go down as one of the greatest of all time in our sport. You know, like he, it's like that era of like him and Sajulai and Snyder. I mean, they just they've already won like seven eight medals. You know, Yazdani's a uh, uh, four-time gold medalist now, I think. So the, the, the margin of error is small, you know, and I thought I wrestled a really good match, but it came down to the end. You know, I had a minute, 10 seconds to get a takedown, and I think I, I think I counted. I shot 17 times in that match, you know, and I got two takedowns, you know, and, um, and I, all the training and the sacrifices that, you know, my wife has made or my coaches have made, uh, my family or you know that I've made in, in training and preparation, I needed every ounce of that. So I think at the end, you know, when you, when you win in that fashion, you're going to take down short time left on the biggest stage of your life, any doubt that you ever had, it's gone because you knew you needed all of it. And uh, it just, it was an element of just relief and excitement because I felt like that was, that was my mission. You know, I think that was the expectation of probably any wrestling fan or coach I've ever been around of like, hey, this is the end goal for David. Um, and uh, 
you know, to be able to achieve that was, uh, was really special. And, and Casey Cunningham and, and Kale Sanderson and Cody Sanderson and Jake Varner, you know, these guys that I've spent, you know, third of my life with, you know, and, uh, they've spent a lot of time with me. So, you know, to be able to share that moment, you know, with, with them and just being a part of a program where I knew when I went to Penn state that one, like when I went to Penn state, I knew that this was a program that could help me get better in college and fulfill all of my goals, you know, and to come here, you know, have the career I did in college, face a little bit of adversity and then win a world championship and win an Olympic gold medal under the same coaching staff. Um, I, I just feel like that's really special, you know? Um, so it was, uh, it, yeah, I mean, it was, it, you, you just really not a lot else to say, you know, I fulfilled what I wanted to do and, uh, really grateful. I was able to fulfill that, you know, with, with these, the people that have put a lot of time into me. It's uh, it was amazing to watch and I get chills thinking back to it and just knowing, you know, how that match with you and Azdani went at the worlds in that first round and how wild that was. And then, you know, this one, it didn't look like you know, his conditioning, it, it, it looked like his conditioning was there. And so it was going to be a dogfight to the end. And it was, but man, just thinking about you and Penn at Penn state, just wrecking everyone. And then you and Dake both going through that period. I don't know how many years it was where no one had made a world team because of JB and the weight classes. And then you finally get there. It's like, man, it was just so long coming and uh, unbelievable to see you get there and get it done. What did you do that night and the next morning? So, you know, I don't, basically when that, you know, you, you finish and you're just in, you're, you're in this like state of Zen. You're just like, you know, you, you, you don't, you just like no care. You know, you're just like, okay, yep, all right, what well, sounds good. You know, or where do you need me? Okay, yeah, I'll be there. You know, sure, yep, sounds good. You know, you're just like looking at your gold medal, like, wow, I did this. You know, it's amazing. Like all that life's work for, you know, for this medal. You know, and and what that means. And not you doing for the medal. It's just like to say, like, yeah, I'm I'm the best in the world in the biggest event that you possibly can have in amateur sport. You know, like it's uh, that's you know, in our sport, that's the pinnacle. You know, so it's just everyone understands what Olympic champion means. Like you say world champion, they're like, Oh, cool. What is that? You know, what's the world championships? Oh yeah. Is that the Olympics? You know, like, but when you say Olympics, the whole world stops for the Olympics. Everybody understands what it is, you know? So it's, it's a title. It's a, it's an accolade. It's a, it's a piece that once you've achieved it, you, it stays with you forever. So that night, um, you know, you do like your little media circuit, you know, or whatever that you do. And, then I came home and I, I had a Coke, a Coca-Cola with Casey, you know, it was the first Coca-Cola I've had in like, I don't even know, forever. I couldn't even finish it. It was so, it was so bad. I was like halfway through, I'm like, I can't even finish this. It's so bad, you know? <laughs> but then I went and I just, it was, I got back to my room. It was like 3am, I think roughly. Cause we didn't wrestle till it was pretty late by the time you wrestle, get through like your drug testing, get through, the media stuff or whatever it may be. I got back to my room and I started FaceTiming my family and uh, coach Cal on California. Cause now it's like, you know, they've been up all night watching, you know, and just talking with them. And I slept for a few hours and then I got up the next day, went to the facility and watched the next group of guys wrestle. And, uh, but again, you just like sleep doesn't matter. You know, you're just like, <laughs> I won the Olympics yesterday. So I don't, I've been functioning on this, like, you know, this, regimen and schedule for so long regimen just like thrown out the window you know you're just eating whatever you want to eat you know and stuff like that but it's just uh it's it's a pretty uh it's yeah pretty special time pretty amazing man it was like i said awesome to watch and uh i don't mean to put you on the spot but assuming uh health is where it's at shooting for 2024 i am so when when I got, when I finished Olympics, you know, it was the world championships were, were right around the corner. And on the, when you're talking about it, you're like, yeah, Olympics, world championships, but the, there's so much power in the Olympics. The world championships was like, uh, how do you get was, up for that man? A couple of weeks after the Olympics, it was really hard. You know, I just, I didn't have the same desire to train that I did. You know, I didn't have this, you know, my, we, uh, it was like my, my, I talked about this before. My life was on pause for so long 
you get done, life's off pause. You know, you're getting back to the people that you haven't got back to. You're like, my wife and I have, you know, multiple different businesses that we're doing. Um, my wife gave birth like a week before we left. Um, so, you know, you're in the hospital, you're in the hospital, you're going to training, you come back to the hospital and, you know, you just won the biggest event of your life. Um, so it's hard to kind of find that same motivation. And, you know, I, I still, I'm at a good world championship, you know, and I still with is, uh, I, mean, I think that a person that was there was a fraction of what I, where I was at, you know, seven weeks before that. And I was, you know, I don't know winning takedown is didn't finish takedown, you know, against the same guy, same guy is really good, you know? So we're talking about little, little pieces. So I think after that, it was kind of like, all right, I need a break. I took like four months, about four months off from training the longest I've ever really taken. And I was, you know, kind of struggling with like, well, do I even do I want to do this again? You know, do I want to do this type of commitment again, knowing what it takes, but ultimately when I really kind of thought about it, definitely hard. Um, it was a 22 year sprint marathon to get to the first one. Now it's only two years away. So that's a big difference. You know, you've been there, you know what it feels like. Um, and it took some hard conversations. Um, and I think just ultimately just wrap, you got to wrap your mind around. No one cares about what you've done. You step out there. Like now, you know, it's like, it doesn't mean anything. You, you got to decide that you're all in again, or you're all out, you know? And I decided and after that period of time, talk to my wife, talk to my coaches that, yeah, I'm back. I'm all in, you know? So it's, uh, it's been actually, it feels really good to get back into training and get back into that kind of that routine that, that you develop when doing that. Um, and I believe I'm the best in the world and nothing has changed, you know? So I'm looking forward now, definitely wrestling Yazdani again. He's made some adjustments, um, in our matches. And, uh, now I'm looking forward to implementing my adjustments and let's go baby. Yeah. It's exciting. It's definitely very exciting. Um, and I'm glad I took the time and then just rush back into it. Cause I think I would have probably had a, I would have had a tough spot, you know, to kind of, you rush back into it, your training and you're like, wow, okay. This is like a two year grind. You know, I took that time off, got really refreshed. And the difference is like, now it's like, I'm, yeah, I want to do it. I'm doing it cause I want to do it, you know, not cause I feel like anything else. I have nothing else to prove. I have nothing else I have to do in my sport of wrestling, but now I want to, I want to win, I want to win two more world championships. I want to win another Olympic gold medal. And you know, that's uh, it's just, it takes that type of commitment, you know, going into it. And uh, it's going to be a battle. It's definitely not going to be easy. And I'm looking, I'm really truly looking forward to it, uh, to getting back into it. So it's yeah. 2024 in Paris, I will be there. It's going to be tough, obviously to, you know, you got a lot of hurdles between now and then, but um, I believe I'm the best in the world and I don't think that's changed. And you got the, uh, you got the whole support system out there. I mean, Jimmy Kennedy's on staff. It's your brother-in-law. So you got the whole crew, you know, you got the businesses going. So it seems like things are going great. And obviously you got a young stable at Penn state. I'm sure you're getting your hands on Brooks and Staraki and, and uh, Max Dean all the time. So man, what a, what an optimal environment. The last thing I was going to sign off with them, we'll let you go is, you know, Snyder has been training with you guys and there's, you know, since then Gilman has come in, but you know, Snyder's more your weight. We'll just sign off with this. What, what's he brought to the squad and what, what have you learned from him? I mean, I learned from all those guys. And, and I think the way that, that I relate to it is like, you never, there's never a thought in like where you're at because of every day in practice, you know, you know, you know where you're at because I mean, we, it, you have the best training environment in the world, especially for that group of weight classes. I mean, I think every name you meant that you said, I think every one of those people have, have the ability, either have already achieved being the best in the world or have the ability to be the best in the world. So you, you, you know, we, we have a really unique situation here. And with Kyle, I feel like he just brings this youthful energy every day. He loves to compete. Like he loves to compete in everything he does. And he, I mean, you, when you go with him, you have to be ready for the toughest day that you've ever wrestled every time you wrestle. <laughs> and I think that's tough. You know, it's tough to replicate that you, the success that he's had, 
but it hasn't changed. Like he's still hungry. He wants to compete. He wants to travel anywhere he can to wrestle the best people. He constantly wants to get better. He's constantly challenging himself. So that for me is awesome to have somebody that has, you know, the size and, you know, the, like he's, you know, obviously the size, you know, he's bigger than me, but also has that, that tenacity in the way he wrestles. So, you know, he brings it like a lot of times I'm bringing it. And the other person is just trying to basically sustain it and find a way. Well, now he's bringing it to me and I have to find a way to, 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 to sustain that pace with him, you know? So I feel like that is where he is specifically from a wrestling standpoint is, is great. And then you add in that youthful energy and uh, just pure passion to be, to want to be the best. Like you're like, oh, well, all right. I see what Kyle's doing. I see where his intensity level is and I have to match that. Um, and, uh, and he's just like that with everybody. Like, and his, he's just, he's an amazing human and really grateful to have him here as a friend and as a teammate. Um, because, uh, you know, obviously I think we're all in a better, better situation with a guy like that. I mean, when a guy like that's climbing for the great Sajulayoff, I mean, you know, he's bringing it every day because he's still got a chip on his shoulder. And so, you're around him. It's like, I can't imagine the, the chemistry and the energy when you guys are really tuning it up come May, come June, you know, when things are getting closer. Oh, he's ready. He's wrestling Jaden um, next week, you know? So it's like this week, you know, getting back and training with him, you know, cause I'm kind of like just getting back. Like I'm, you know, I'm not quite obviously at that, that level right now, but he's uh man, I wrestled him. I'm like, wow. All right. This is all right. Here we go. I'm, I'm, I see, I see <laughs> the intensity level I need to bring tomorrow, you know? And, uh, but he, he feels good right now. Um, he's, he's excited, you know, obviously it's a, it's a pretty high level match, you know, a two out of three, you know, with, a other guy who's like, you know, best in the world, different two complete polar opposite styles. Um, but he, he's hungry and excited and, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch that. So, um, but no, I'm really, really grateful for Kyle. He's, he's an amazing guy. Bro, he hasn't taken any time off, it seems like, since the world. It's like he's been in Russia. He's been just going, going, going. So he's, he's an animal, man. Loves, he loves it. Like, and, and it's cool because you know, and Jason Knopf, it's been really good for Jason Knopf because he's kind of adopted that. He's jumped on that same thing. You know, I feel like he, he's, he's so good, but the, you need that international experience. And um, he's he's gained a lot of that this year and and just spending time with Kyle and, and traveling with him and competing. So that's what Kyle's just like a guy who uplifts everybody around, him. you know, it's like, Hey, that's what I'm doing. You guys want to come with me? Let's do it. Let's go wrestle. You know, let's travel. And that type of, we just have a lot of, we have a lot of success that, and people have, have, um, you, you and it's contagious, you know, and hit, being around Kyle is contagious. That's so bad, that's man. Well, here in this, people are going to be excited and fired up. Thank you so much for your time, David Taylor. It's always a pleasure. We wish you nothing but the best, and uh, you have a great day, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. If you're going to the NCAA tournament next week in Detroit, Michigan, make sure you stop by our happy hour. It's taking place Thursday, March 17th, in between Session 1 and Session 2 at Hockey Town Cafe. It's a sports bar within walking distance to Little Caesars Arena. We're hosting it with stalemates. We'll have an open tab. We'll have some merch. We'll have a lot of good laughs, good fun. Next Thursday, be there or be square.